I, I'd hate to lose my hair. <laughs> this is a hairless man. You've got plenty of hair downstairs. <laughs> Wait, hang on. <laughs> There's a clip from the beginning. As we sit here naked doing the podcast, it's so hard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're made uh, Pepsi Max come out my nose. Ah, uh, oh, neck. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by Tax Williams, as always. Hello, everyone. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Had a had a good week of. Filling my time with wrestling. Nice. It's yeah. been very good watching a lot of stuff. What have you been watching this week? I've been watching old WWE and old WCW stuff. Lovely. What kind of thing? Just out of interest before we get into what we're actually doing today. I've been watching all the old like 96-97 WCW pay-per-views oh. just to enjoy Bobby Heenan commentary. Today we're doing Shikara's Shikarasaurus Rex How to Hatch a Dinosaur from 2012. And I'm very happy I said that correctly. <laughs> it is a bit of a mouthful. Um, this was back in 2012 it was show. Uh, yes would you say so again i've not watched any shikara prior to this i said i've seen some sampler dvds was this quite a prime time for shikara or has it continued to progress over the last six years they kind of worked their way up to uh, their first iPay-per-view, which is high noon which was a couple of shows before this one Okay, uh, and so this is definitely when they're starting to hit their prime. They're starting to run. I, I refer to this kind of like the golden period of Shikara. Right. Okay. It's still today one of the most entertaining products. One of the best. Some of the best storytelling. Uh, Mike Quackenbush's booking, I think, is the best ever. Um, I think he's very willing to have funny, entertaining wrestling as well as good technical sometimes bse lucha wrestling okay but um yeah this for me is my favorite little period of shikara for sure i was a big big fan during watching this time period okay because through what i looked into the show so this was their second yeah this is the second eye pay-per-view and the arena itself in philadelphia i thought was a really nice venue the trocadero it's yeah. indie heaven man it's a beautiful theater you know with balconies and beautiful entrance ramps and such yeah it looked really good so from a presentation standpoint and for the fact it was their second eye pay-per-view I thought it was, throughout, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, was it um, one hard cam, one cam above the ring, and one just roaming cam? Uh, about that, I think there may be two roaming cameras, but okay. I'm not sure. This is definitely Smart Mark Video who produced this, okay. who did a lot of the Shikara shows. I don't know if they still do it now. I assume they do. Um, I haven't watched much modern Shikara, just because I've got a kid now, so I haven't got quite <laughs> as much time to follow indie wrestling as much as I'd like to. And uh, the G1's been on recently, so... <laughs> <You know? laughs> But I thought that having, uh, again, looking at the stats and the attendance, so 705 people for this show, and it looked absolutely rammed. And yeah. start to finish, the thing I noticed about the crowd, they were into it throughout. There were no dull points. For what I considered some of the less important matches through sort of what I could tell from what the commentators were saying, mm-hmm. they were up for it, the whole thing. And it's very much like a DIY promotion, as you said, like Dream Indie side of things, that the fans really took it on that it is their promotion. And they Definitely. cheered for the good guys, they booed for the bad guys. Even if the the bad guys are good, they would <laughs> they knew their role. They played their part to make the stories even better, I found. I'm really happy to hear you say that, because what they refer to the fans as the Shikami. Oh yeah, they okay. picked that up from commentary throughout. Cool, awesome. So they have a subscriber club. Uh, and there's um you get like uh entrance early to shows you get front row seats for ticket you get like jackets and all sorts oh, really? of bonus things and stuff like oh, this nice which i always thought about like oh one day it'd be amazing if we ended up living in america or canada or something to become part of the shikami but as a brit here kind of useless unless they come here more often they have yeah. been here on 
three tours maybe now. I was meant to go to the King of Trios in the UK, but ended up having to work. So it absolutely sucked that I had to give I remember my tickets you, to my friend. You offered me the tickets first, and again, I couldn't go. Yeah, yeah. Parenting ruined King of Trios uh, for me. I was me. so good. Like, Nandy, my other half, was pregnant at the time, and I had to do a work. I think I was working in, like, Essex or somewhere like that. And it was literally, it was a full day shoot oh, right up no. until the point. I was like, ah, oh, it's right in between as well. And I had two that weekend. And so I missed uh, King of Trails completely, which I was really gutted about. But um, should we get into... Yes, definitely. Okay, awesome. So the first match, uh, we get this beautiful match graphic. It's very kind of PlayStation 2 <laughs> sort yep. of period. And you can tell that it's DIY Indias we're talking about. But they, they're doing their best to create like, you know, this first iPay-per-views um, decent production level I guess yeah. that's the way to put it but we've got Ultraman is black we're not worthy <laughs> against Ophidian and we get this cold open on an Ophidian promo now what do you think of Ophidian's promo and his new mask <laughs> um, the promo very much like Venom with the uh, we are this we are that yeah. new mask uh, obviously I didn't see his old mask but I thought ooh has someone <laughs> whipped that up at primary school <laughs> It was a. It, I, mean, I remember it, seeing this the first time because I watched this live, and just being devastated because Ophidian's mask, right? Is he's got an Egyptian character that's like an Egyptian snake, kind of like a snake god. Um, what would you call it? Like Pharaoh-esque sort of character. Okay. And he was part of a tag team called the Assyrian Portal with a guy called Amasis, who was like an Egyptian character as well, and that was their gimmick. This is one of the things with Shakara is their gimmicks are outstandingly fun. <laughs> So, Ophidian's mask used to be this big snake head looking thing with like big like hood on it and such, like a viper or cobra or something. And he comes on with this bird looking red and gold. Yeah, it was really terrible. Uh, He cuts the promo strike first, strike fast, strike hard. He says it twice. This is the battle cry we live by. This is the battle cry that leads us to victory and drops a few Egyptian references like he's kind of known to do. Um, The promo is all right. It's yeah, kind of yeah, fun. definitely. It's quite a nice start. It's kind of a weird, cold start to an eye pay per view. You know, I yeah. thought they'd um, you know have an opening package or something, just like straight into match graphic and promo. It's kind of how Shakara does stuff, but yeah, there's no fanning about really, is there? It's a case of here's our action, here's our story, here's our character, and we're going into the most devious man in Shakara. Yeah. So the backstory here is um, 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 Ophidian has turned on his partner Amasis, and uh, has basically tried to be the most devious person in Shakara. And uh, he's kind of gone around injuring people and doing horrible things as any Rudo would do. Obviously, we're using lucha terms because... Rudo and Technicos. Yeah, good man rather than heel and face. So if you're not familiar, Rudo is a heel or a bad guy. And a Technico would be a good guy or a face or whatever. Okay. Uh, and so uh, basically the story is that Ultramantis Black has taken offense to Ophidian claiming to be <laughs> the most uh, devious man in Shikara because he's Ultramantis Black and he is the most devious, obviously. So hence why we get this match. So are these both supposed to be heels? Ophidian is full-blown heel now because he's turned on his good guy tag team partner just as they were kind of on their run looking for the titles and things like this. Um, uh, Ultraman is black. is traditionally a bad guy, but is so lovable <laughs> that he's become a good guy. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> uh, and so um, we get uh, Gavin Loudspeaker, all loud and noxious. He's kind of got two names. He changes them halfway through Shikara's oh, uh, right, longevity okay. uh, as the ring announcer. Uh, I'm not quite sure which one he's meant to be because they never actually say his name during this show. He looks a little bit like Weird Al. 
Uh, he does look a bit like Weird Al. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's kind of like the rock star of Shikara almost. Yeah. You know? Like a lot of these shows, um, he especially the smaller shows, he would start by having an acoustic guitar in the ring and singing songs about Shikara <laughs> and the wrestlers and such to kind of get the crowd oh, warmed amazing. up. And uh, I kind of missed that element here. I would love to have seen him done this with this big crowd. It would have been quite funny, you know. But this is definitely Shikara at its most serious. Okay. This is Shikara is usually silly playful comedy matches there's no comedy on this show really no especially as you get in some of the match later on the card especially that ladder match there is no comedy in that ladder match no this is very much them rounding up um feuds and such and setting up a few other feuds for the future um high noon was where they crowned their first grand champion which was eddie kingston um, and he had a match with Quackenbush, which we'll get into later because it kind of feeds into those main yeah. events. I know I'm sidetracking here, but stick with me. <laughs> um, and so this is just before you kind of get into King of Trio season. And so it's that kind of rounding up all the storylines that are finishing and then kind of setting up new ones coming into King of Trios and out of Anniversario, which is their bigger, like, obviously birthday show every year. Yeah. Okay. So hence why you get like a lot of the seriousness. It's like they're really trying to emphasize the finishes yeah. of the storylines. I did find it odd, again, on a bit of a tangent, that as you yeah. said, as they've crowned their first main, sort of their top level champion. Yeah, the first ever singles champion. They've gone years without having any. That that didn't have a title defense on their second pay-per-view. Now, yeah. obviously, I'm getting the impression that a lot of the stock, because they haven't had a champion for so long, their singles champion is not where they've got their stock. Obviously, it's our, our trios who are going to be the, the focal point of our, our feuds or our tags who are uh, going to be the focal point. Kind of. Trios is obviously very important to Shikara. Their biggest show of the year is the King of Trios, which is obviously a big tournament with trios, and they have hundreds of people turn yeah. up to it every year. Thousands now. Um, uh, really, the focus is on the Campeonos de Parejas, which is their tag team championships. Yeah. Those are the ones that on, from the very first show were kind of there and kind of run through. And uh, there's a point system. Do you know about the point no. system? So every victory you get as a tag team, you get one point. You have to have three points to be able to get a title shot at the Campeonatas de Parejas. I'll get that right every time, hopefully. <laughs> um, so hence why the focus is generally on those belts for years. Okay. And it's only through the popularity and the eye pay-per-views and like the, the company growing and expanding that they introduced the Grand Championship. Um, so Ophidian's been going around stealing masks and he's transformed into this new character where he's basically... The same character, but completely evil and a bastard wants to injure everyone. We've got Bryce Remsburg and Leonard F. Shikarison on commentary. What did you think as a commentator to this rotating commentary thing and the guys that were doing it? I didn't mind okay, so cool. much. Um, I enjoyed when Sugar Duncan <laughs> he is got great involved on as well. Yeah. I, 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 of the three who are on there, uh-huh. uh, I thought he was the best throughout the evening, which is a shame because he's only on there for part of the show. Yeah, yeah. But that's not saying... The other two are clearly massively into the product and you could tell because their passion behind it and their enjoyment of what they're watching came across in the commentary i wouldn't say it's the most technically sound commentary but then again it's not it's not a promotion where i think oh you're going to be calling every single technical move you're going to be telling stories yeah and you're going to be building a lot yeah and you're going to be building up the athletes in the ring so especially a lot of them wearing masks you're not gonna be able to get over any of those backstories for those who aren't watching the product on a regular basis so having them there to essentially build up those characters was useful for a for a new set of eyes to the product what does wearing a mask have to do with that uh because again if you can't tell the facial expressions or any animosity okay. in the ring because you can't see their facial expressions if the commentators <laughs> in some cases are and obviously not as much as you get in sort of m- more of the bigger american promotion promotions but they didn't seem to take away from 
the, the characters as much so you could actually know what was going on without having a background without seeing any facial expressions the commentators did an alright job of getting over what yeah. was happening I think it's very important that they are as passionate and they know these backstories and these characters as well as they do can you imagine the AAA boys who did the English commentary <laughs> doing this show <laughs> see that's the kind of thing that we needed <laughs> to get those characters over maybe we would have cared more you know yeah like, it's one of the things they do here with the commentary is they do make you believe in what's happening. They make you care and appreciate what's happening in the ring. I, I was definitely bought in to, yeah, to cool. it because of the commentary. Because the wrestling in this match isn't the greatest. It's There's some fun spots, but it is very choreographed and a bit sloppy in places. Yeah, my notes on this was not bad wrestling, ugly mask. <laughs> not Ultra Madness Ultra Madness no, is Ultra Madness was good but yeah, yeah. Ophidian's okay. sock puppet on his head <laughs> he does get rid of that mask pretty quickly I'll oh, really? say that yeah yeah he has a one in between which is similar to this which is red and yellow which is kind of like the bird thing but then he goes back to the snake mask pretty quickly okay so I think they realised that it wasn't <laughs> the greatest thing in the world um, so Ultra Madness's entrance is pretty awesome he's massively over the crowd pop like crazy he has the staff and all this sort of thing um, there's a whole storyline with something called the Eye of Tear which is basically something that has mind control powers which we won't go into now but that, that has a lot to do with this feud and delirious later and such okay so just just go with it don't worry <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get strikes and chops to start we get like lots of throat pokes and things of that nature nature uh, from kind of both guys because they're both pretty devious yeah you know? uh get stunner through the ropes by Ophidian. that was pretty cool where he dived through the outside and stunned him on the ropes beautiful move that was a nice little spot i enjoyed that um you get like chokes uh eye rakes so devious <laughs> basically get- every little heelish thing <laughs> from both guys as well yeah. but again as the crowd were really into it when a really Ophidian was doing it, it's case, oh, that's awful. Then Ultra Madness does it. <laughs> it's, oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great little storyline. It's kind of really the only kind of thing that Shakara maybe could do. Like, I think other promotions would maybe struggle a little bit to have yeah, I think so. a devious good guy. <laughs> you know, But uh, I think that's part of the... Um, the joy with Shikara, as you say, is the crowd are willing to go along with the storylines yeah. and such. Uh, they also kind of self-police a lot with Shikara. Because it's a PG product, if someone does say a swear word, you'll hear like 20, 30 people be like, don't do that. Like, shut up. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's this brilliant. is kid-friendly. It's one of those really... It's kind of how I wish a lot of other pro wrestling crowds were, to be yeah. totally honest. But anyway, uh, we get trips, chokes, attacks the throat again. Uh, it gets crotched and then we get a double underhook suplex by Ultra Madness Black that's pretty cool. Uh, he hits the Ocean Cyclone, which is a kind of cross-armed electric chair. Then Cosmic Doom Power Driver, which is an awesome name for a move, which I thought was going to be the finish, but only gets two. Uh, Ophidian does his, like, Matt Seidel knees off the top, you know, where he kind of lands yeah. on the chest and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Cobra Clutch with a float over that's pretty cool. Uh, Ophidian really starts to get frustrated, and they start to get over the story of, like, he thinks he's going to win. He thinks he should be winning. He's been beating all these other guys and injuring them all. Uh, Ultra Madness basically kind of comes back in the end. He grabs the, uh, um, Ophidian grabs the staff. The ref's distracted. Uh, we get the praying mantis reversed into the mist into his eyes. And his poor eyes. <laughs> Not that he's wearing a mask which protects his eyes. I love the fact that he had to remove, like, just pull out the bottom of the mask to do the mist. And then carefully just stretch <laughs> it back under his chin as well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I thought, again, this was the finish. They got me twice in this match. Ultra Mantis kicks out from the mist, which is great. Uh, hits randomly just stands up and hits the praying mantis bomb there's not much build into it but uh, gets the one two three and ultra mantis wins via praying mantis bomb which is basically like double underhook uh pile driver the j driller yeah like j um j briscoe does 
Um, yeah, and the lovable devious one wins, not the hated devious one. <laughs> <laughs> that move, that mantis bomb. Yeah, the brain mantis bomb. Like the uh, diamond cutter or the arco, you can hit it anywhere. That's why he just got up after the mist and just hit it. You can hit it <laughs> anywhere. Right? <laughs> just a, a long setup. <laughs> into the bomb <laughs> so Ultramantis Black is one of my favourite characters in the world I have a Black Flag Ultramantis t-shirt which uh, I got from him at a Shikara show in London oh really um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of an interesting story in that it's a long sleeved Ultramantis Black and he didn't have any on display he just had his other t-shirts I think I remember this story I went up to him wearing a Guar t-shirt and he just looked down at my t-shirt came really close to my face and went is that a Guar t-shirt I was like oh yeah man like yeah like uh, I saw him at Bloodstock like they're really nice. My missus was taking photos of them. So they invited us on their tour bus and such. And he was just like, oh, that's really cool. Like, one of the greatest bands of all. His ultramantis <laughs> voice is like being really funny. Like, really, really lovely man. Um, but devious, obviously. Obviously, a devious, <laughs> lovely man. And then I went to him, do you have any of the Black Flag Ultramantis shirts? And he went, well, no, but I do have one here. And it's, honestly, it stank of sweat. I'm pretty sure he wore it on the way over. <laughs> it was covered in animal fur, which I'm going to assume was his cat. <laughs> And it had a price on it that said £45. And I was like, I'm not paying £45 for a long sleeve t-shirt, no matter how cool it is. And he went to me, oh, you can have this for £30. And I was like, oh, mate, sold. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So the fact that I think he was trying to flog it for 45 and did it for 30 for me, because I think I was wearing a Guar t-shirt. That's, yeah. Nice. What a dude. Ultramantist. What a legend. Love the guy. Would you see the performers again? Because... This is the first time I've seen either of these. Mm. Would you see any of these guys step up to what's considered the next level? Would you see any of these guys in like an ROH, a TNA or an NXT? Or because of the style mm. they wrestle, do you think they're never going to get the shots? They're never going to get the tryouts? Or do you think they're happy doing what they do? Uh, Aphidium, um, Snake Guy, is still quite young in his career at this point. Uh, he's from the third or fourth class of Shikara trainees, I believe. So I thought he had the potential to. Um, he maybe doesn't have the build at this point, but he's in much better shape here than he was in previous matches. And when he reforms his tag team partner, uh, when he reforms his tag with Amasis to create the Assyrian portal, which happens quite a while after this, I think that tag team had some good runs. I think they did ROH. I think they probably did a few other promotions. Okay. Like lots of indies. These guys... I do a lot of other indies from Shikara. Things. That's good. Um, Ultraman is, is never been the greatest wrestler in the world. I, as I said, I think he has a great character and I think his promos are absolutely outstanding. It's a shame we didn't get to see any here, but he's, he's on the microphone later and doing commentary. Yeah. And it's superb, I believe. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, but no, basically, is my no, answer. I can see, especially the fans were really into it because they like the characters. Yeah. But for an opening match of an iPay-per-view, it was, from a wrestling standpoint, it was fun to watch, but the content was sloppy. Yeah. And I can imagine if you put that on any other show which has either an iPay-per-view or a television deal, if you put that out there, everyone would be claiming that it's going to be on Botchamania and it's rubbish and they'd be slating it. <laughs> Whereas here, it's applauded, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny. If this was New Japan or WWE or ROH, I'd probably be slating it. Yeah, I mean, things. it wasn't dangerous wrestling. It yeah. was just... <laughs> I don't know about that finish, maybe. <laughs> well, well, yeah, the, the, but I'm just trying to think of a, a way to, to articulate how I felt about it. It wasn't dangerous. It was, I mean, sloppy, as I said, is a bad word. It was, it's very lucha libre. Yeah. They attempted technical <laughs> things that were beyond their realms of their skill sets at that time, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe 
Uh, Ophidian is very technically good in terms of he's flexible and has the ability to be able to do things. Uh, Mantis, I think, has had quite a few injuries and such up to this point. Maybe he's not the most athletically gifted man, but he's, he's pretty in pretty good shape, to be fair to him. Having know? comedy tattoos doesn't mean you're not athletic. No, I know. <laughs> From my own standpoint. I'm just saying that I think he's more of a nerd than a jock, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool, right. All right, so next up, we've got a Loser Leaves Town grudge match. Uh, grudge, grudge tag team match, sorry. So we've got Colt Cabana and Archibald Peck, or Mixed, Mixed Martial, Martial Archie, Archie, which are also known as Team Taka... <laughs> which are also known as Team Tap Out Back Steakhouse, <laughs> which is an astounding name, uh, versus um, the throwbacks of Dasha Hatfield and Mr. Touchdown, Mark Angelicetti. So, do you want me to go over a little bit of the backstory here? My understanding... Okay, let's see what you got from commentary. Okay. I'm really intrigued. So, Archibald Peck yes. had recently split up with his on-screen girlfriend, Veronica. Yes. <laughs> and... He'd basically gone on to like a bit of a downward spiral and then it basically appeared at this show with his chance to, you know, rebuild his career rather than being kicked out of the promotion as Mixed Martial Archie. <laughs> and the ring gear he had was great. The, the actual thought into the attire, the appearance, I thought was very good. But from yeah. a general backstory of these guys have had beef for a while. His girlfriend's left him because he's continually losing. And... Now it's his chance to get rid of his um, adversary. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, you've got it. So Archibald Peck came in as a heel, but a comedy heel. So as a comedy heel, obviously as a good comedy wrestler, you start to get over as a face. Like, yeah. inevitably, there's no way you can't be, basically. Um, so yes, he lost all these matches, but started to become lovable and caring. And then Veronica and Mark Angelicetti, Mr. Touchdown, started to become kind of an item behind Archie's back. <gasps> Scandal. Exactly, yeah. So again, this is Shikara's long-term storytelling. This was at least a year, maybe two, of storytelling building up until this moment it's uh, i think uh, mr touchdown is dasha hatfield's second cousin twice removed or something like that to that extent but um yeah you've pretty much got the backstory now i don't think i need to explain it much more um but as because he was losing he then became mixed martial archie uh to become more aggressive to try and win matches as you kind of get already Dasha Hatfield, who's Mr. Touchdown's tag team partner, doesn't really get what's going on because he's the ultimate good guy. His backstory is that he was creator wrestler. (laughs) And so he's been uh, a Russian character. He's been uh, a breakfast character where he had like bits of breakfast items all over him and (laughs) such. ridiculous. And eventually became like the baseball character, okay? And just kind of stuck with it ever since. Uh, And rightly so. He's absolutely great. He's actually now in a tag team partner with his son, who's also a baseball character and Mr. Touchdown, (laughs) which is absolutely great. And so he was previously to this event tag team partners with sugar Dun- dunkerton who's a basketball sort of character yep. like an old school globetrotters sort of character so you can see where it all kind of like yeah. falls into one it's this long-term storytelling that shikara kind of known for uh we get an opening promo by the throwbacks where they get over you know what's been happening and the stories and their characters and how one's a dick and one's lovely <laughs> <laughs> um what do you think of the promo well it got over what was needed yeah, yeah. and again it's it got o- it got over hang on these guys have different outlooks on the world of yeah. professional wrestling. I love Mr. Touchdown's um, 
Hulk character. He looks like a superstar. Yeah, definitely. I remember watching him during this time period and thinking that he was going to be WWE bound pretty soon, but it's never seemed to have done it. You know, he's wrestled under Mark Angel as well for Beyond oh, okay. Wrestling and a few others. Uh, one of my favorite things about this mixed martial arts character is that he's from the overcompensation station, which is <laughs> genius. But uh, his moveset as well. Things going for like the arm bars and the triangle chokes and everything. Yeah. I was like, he's really bought into he it. He jumps off the top rope and does a takedown and grab <laughs> <laughs> it. Like, it's so good. Oh, it's amazing. It's so, so funny. Uh, that top rope then takedown. I laughed so much because I thought, yeah. oh, where we go? Uh, uh, <laughs> take him down. Yeah. It's at this point that Bryce on commentary mentions that the fans have nicknamed the team of uh, Ultra Battle Peck and um, Colt Cabana as Team Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite good as well. Uh, Kamana in at this point and you just realise how smooth he was at this point yeah so technically sound in comparison to all the other wrestlers on that card you'd be like you know who is the top dog yeah in terms of technical wrestling and smoothness I mean Quack and other people in the main event are pretty good but they don't really get to show it because it's obviously a big brawl yeah but yeah Cabana is so impressed I never understood why he never made it to WWE well why he couldn't stick around WWE he's Jewish yeah Chisholm that's literally it they just pushed that to the moon well, with that's, his character that's apparently on um, Bruce Pritchard's podcast when they were talking about um, I was listening to the Punk episode and they spoke about Cabana yeah and Vince basically found out that he's Jewish and that's why they made him Scotty Goldman <sighs> yeah great. and old world vince <laughs> i'm very happy that point of view seems to be going away in the bigger companies yeah it has to yeah it's ridiculously backwards so there's a spine buster on the ramp by mr touchdown to archie and archie kind of goes to the back and we don't see him for a long time yeah. here so cabana's beaten down and tries to do his best to kind of come through he, he low balls and a lion salt here which is just like oh am i okay like i did lucha what's going on <laughs> which is lovely to see considering shikara is a lucha company and such you know um what do you think about uh, Cabana dustying both with the big elbows and the kind of like, ooh? I think it's nice. It's a nice tribute to yeah. him. I thought you should have done that spot. Oh, really? Yeah, the dusty <laughs> elbows. Seems to suit your character. <laughs> gotta have a, I'm going to have actual offence in the, in the match. But I completely miss it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to add it to the repertoire. Awesome. Sweet, man. Tax Williams, six moves of doom. <laughs> <laughs> like Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah. Although I should put my back out to under a powerbomb. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Then get rolled up. <laughs> should be a shikara mate with moves like this like this is definitely you to suit shikara this and well. ddt is where i'd fit right in <laughs> i'd love to go and i mean at some point i'd love to cover some ddt oh definitely it's on the agenda excellent i've excellent. got one show ready to go i think which would be very good which i have watched but i think we should do not one of the bigger shows i think we should do one of the really small experimental yeah. they let them do whatever they oh, want definitely. shows okay this isn't cool. the one where uh cabana wrestled a 14 year old child is it uh kenny omega definitely did i don't oh, know about okay. cabana he was uh, in a mop. Uh, that too. Yeah, yep. I think so. Um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, t- the throwbacks kind of, kind of take over with Cabana in the ring. Uh, you get Total Elimination, which I absolutely love. Total Elimination! Joey Styles, thank you very much. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, no Archies in the corner when they go for the tags. Uh, the camera work is superb here because they keep panning across to the corner where Archie should be and he's never there. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, smart my video. They well do a done. really good job here. Absolutely great. It's yeah. the little things that made it because, again, a lot of people look at that and go, he's just an American football character. Mm-hmm. But with those little bits added on top of it, it's well thought out. It's not just a guy in a football helmet. Yeah. 
I love how they build it into their offense and such, yeah. their attacks or whatever. Like, it's absolutely great. Like everything he does, he goes to the three point stance. He does that. It's good, nerds. <laughs> like uh, Revenge of the Nerds. You yeah. see that film? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely love it. So eventually we get uh, Dasher and Cabana kind of work their way up to the top rope and miss a touchdown and comes on and pushes both guys off the top because he'll sacrifice his, uh, his cousin twice removed or whatever it is just to make sure Cabana doesn't get there. Uh, what an absolute healy bastard. And again, got over on the commentary. Why did he do that? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> do a really good job of it. Um, Jonathan Barber, who's the referee, counts to 18 and then the music hits and it's Archibald Peck, Marchy Archie, the original character in Shikara. I think he was backs for so long not for the storyline but just to put on that band uniform yeah he was there for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. like putting it on uh, but this is the uh the original character that he came into shikara with as a heel yeah uh, and became lovable and obviously was losing and losing and losing so the fact he comes back to this character uh, in Shikara Law, they're seen as two completely different people. So he gets a huge welcome back chant, which gets a great pop out of me because the fans <laughs> are into it, you know, like we were saying earlier. Archibald jumps off the top to try and do his finisher, which no one ever knows what it is because he's never hit it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and gets carted by Mr. Touchdown. Uh, Cabana to the outside. Veronica lays the baton between Archie and Mr. And Mr. Touchdown. Uh, what do you think's happening at this point with the baton between the two? I thought it was just essentially her saying, you fight it and whoever wins the baton will win my heart. Oh, lovely. Uh, they both go for it and Dasher comes in and has none of it because he doesn't want anyone to cheat. Yep. Uh, which is absolutely great because then the ref gets distracted. Uh, Mr. Touchdown uses the helmet on Archie to pick up the one, two, three behind Dasher's back, which is absolutely great storytelling oh, again. Oh, man. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. And again, the, you picked up straight away that he didn't want to cheat. It was like, stop squabbling, children. Let's settle this as wrestlers. And the timing, yeah. the timing was so good. They lay this out really, really yeah. well. The execution's superb. But this is probably my favourite moment of this show, if I'm totally honest. Just the way this story kind of plays out. And it was nice because it was so, it was such a long build up to it to get this gratification of this finally, like they're turning heel and, you know, Mr. Touchdown's becoming this horrible person the behind Dash's back, you know. Yeah, it's really, really nice little payoff. So the throwbacks win and they achieve their three points in this match. So they're now in title contention. And there's this really weird moment where Dash is celebrating the fact they've got three points and they're going to have their title shot as the crowd are booing Mr. Touchdown yeah. and the way he won this victory. And Dash is oblivious. Again, there's this really clever storytelling and yeah, really cool. What do you think of like the next little sequence where Verona comes back in, makes out with Mr. Touchdown and Archibald becomes absolutely devastated as he slowly walks away? Normally, things like that, I'd be like, this is far too hammy for me. But that is Shikara, really. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was, well, it's just clearly there's future progression for MMA. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed martial arts, yeah. and then Archibald Peck. Um, I thought it served a purpose. His selling of Heartbreak was classic, like cheesy. He's a great actor. Smallest violin in the world sort of thing <laughs> as he walked back. Yeah. Um, Again, I always find it entertaining as well where you've got sort of um, a taller lady and a slightly shorter chap because obviously her heels were so high. And yeah. I was like, she's dominating him. She's got him under the thumb. And I don't know if that played into any other storylines or that's just how I picked well, it. It even in. plays to the exit to the ring yeah. because when they go to leave the ring, she's like, you will hold the ropes open for me, like really quite aggressively. Because then he went to lift them, like the traditional lift, and it's like, no, yeah, no, the middle rope. Yeah, you will respect me. I am a professional athlete. <laughs> <laughs> so stuff, you know? 
and then she does it for him as well so it's like that mutual relationship is how they kind of play it off as well in that they're both as in control as each other you know she's a manipulative bastard and he's just an absolute jerk jock and it's it's a really fun little storyline that develops over time but uh, let's move on to the next match. Uh, we've got this kind of grudge ladder match. Again, there's another grudge match. Uh, and again, ending storylines here. Of Granakuma against Icarus for Granakuma's contract. Did you pick up on the backstory of this one? I got the impression that Granakuma had been out for a while. Quite or, a long time. Or had yeah. had his like license revoked yeah. or something similar to that. And it was a case of he had to win the ladder match to stay employed by um, Chikara. And that was pretty much what I got. And I obviously therefore thought that um, Icarus was the main antagonist in him losing his job. Yeah. So Fist is one of the legendary Shikara stables, which was Chuck Taylor, Icarus and Gran Akuma. Uh, They've won King of Trios against the Colony. They've had lots of feuds against the Colony, which are obviously one of the uh, original kind of staples of Shikara. That feud was like the big thing that kind of made Shikara essentially. Um, and uh, a few months, maybe a year or two before, uh, Fist of Chuck Taylor and Chuck Taylor and Icarus kicked out Gran Akuma to bring in Johnny Gargano. Okay. So hence why he's so angry. And from that moment, he left and went to CZW and a few other places. Uh, sorry, <laughs> he had to go to CZW, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> and so he's come back. Um, I thought overall for a ladder match this was brilliant because we spoke about the uh, ladder match in last week's show in NXT Arrival yeah. and we were like uh, it's not it's not a great ladder match this was a great ladder match they really went for it um, I have issues with Akuma I don't think he's the most charismatic man in the world uh, I, I think he's a bit sloppy and like the beginning of this match is just they just start mm. <laughs> attacking each other and he hasn't got any facial expressions thanks Brad Maddox <laughs> <laughs> Icarus is a superb heel. Uh, I never understood why they turned him face. I would love to have him stay heel and he is heel now, I believe, as well. Um, did you get the whole back tattoo gimmick? No. So Icarus has um, an Icarus sort of tattoo on his back, which is like two big winged things and yeah. all sorts of other crap going on. But basically, it's the ugliest tattoo I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and the fans believe this as well. So every time he goes to take off his ring jacket, they'll be like, no, don't do it. Leave it <laughs> I, I thought the crowd would know the next thing with no backstory. I was like why what's going on yeah <laughs> icarus has wrestled whole matches with that jacket on because he'll go to take it off and the other guy will wrestle him to stop him from taking it off <laughs> and to the point of putting the jacket back on him at times and things like this it's a great gimmick it's really funny more more importantly though for icarus yeah he must be like i don't think the tattoo's that bad <laughs> <laughs> he does get it um developed quite soon after this oh really yeah he gets like a big back beast done <laughs> that kind of covers up a lot of the elements so i think he realized how bad it was oh, amazing um, the crowd chant chant worst in the world at icarus which is great you know because brian danielson was quite yeah. popular at this time best in the world so icarus is the exact antithesis of that he's the worst in the world i don't think this is massively over to start with i don't think the fans are too invested in akuma even though he's been there right from day one in Shikara. Yeah, I, th- I got the impression, as you said, without the charisma, or in all fairness, much of a character, because whether yeah. or not some of the wrestling has been of a good quality so far on the first few matches, there were characters, there were stories, which it relies on. If he had a good character, or even had some form of facial expression, which mm. is Brad Maddox, <laughs> um, then 
people would be more invested in it. And yeah. for something that was, for, again, for research, the second ever ladder match in, in Chikara, yep. you would have thought people would have been more into it. And I know it's more of a PG promotion, more of a family promotion, so some of the more dangerous and violent bits in this match would not go down as well as they would in other promotions. Yeah, I think they know they've got the big crowd. I know it's going to be a fairly adult sort of audience as well. Yeah, but I think all those items combined meant that Granakuma still he had a great platform and even though the ladder match itself was really good I wouldn't be excited to go I definitely want to watch another one of his matches yeah no I can see that um, uh, Granakuma's gimmick is that he was masked he lost the mask then became a heel as part of Fist and so for many many years he was like one of the, the very bad guys in Shikara so I think it's difficult for the fans to forgive him almost mm. at that point especially because he left and went to wrestle for other companies for a while, maybe not of his own accord, but whatever. And then comes back and is meant to be this lovable good guy, but he hasn't got many expressions to say. Like I think it's difficult to become invested in his story, yeah. even though Icarus is the most hated person in the whole company. You know, So at least he's got that to play off, which is, the, I think, one of the main reasons this gets over in the match, because the actual match you say, as you said before, is really, really quite good. Um Icarus keeps dropping the ladder on Akuma. He's not throwing it or climbing up. He's just lifting it up and just dropping Drop. it on him, which looks horrible. It looks so painful. <laughs> I liked some of the spots here when it said so things like ladders just falling over on people and the crowd chanting, thank you, ladder. Yeah, thank you, ladder. That happens twice <laughs> yeah. in this match. So Icarus does a, a, a drop kick into the ladder. The ladder falls on Icarus and the crowd chant, yes, 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 thank you, ladder, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious. Icarus goes to the Shirinu. Uh, we get a nasty German by Akuma. Um, oh, that was awful. Yeah, onto the ladder and such. Yeah, and yeah there's some oh, brutal maybe stuff wince. here. Yep. Uh, they really are throwing some stuff They're out. They're going there. for it, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, getting over this long feud, you know. Um, Akuma heads to the back. He's got the absolutely giant Jeff Hardy ladder. Uh, Icarus does his blue ray which is the Death Valley driver into the ladder into the corner again the ladder falls on him and we get a thank you ladder chan which is great like you feel so sorry for the lad because if that falls and smacks him in the head or something he's not going to see hurt. it coming yeah yeah um, Icarus climbs the ladder uh, Akuma goes underneath it and kind of uses his body weight to pull the ladder for, yeah from underneath like, whoop. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought that was going to be worse than it ended up being. I've never seen someone do that in a ladder match before. No. And Probably because thought... it looks pretty dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's so innovative, though. It's yeah. like, how can we make this different? I know. Junk. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool little moment. Good little spot. Uh, Icarus grabs the chain from the outside. Uh, Kuma goes to Terry Funk the ladder where he puts it on his head and starts yep. spinning, uh, but doesn't actually get to hit anyone. Uh, we get a Death Valley driver to the ladder by Kuma. Akuma does the frog splash on the ladder. Fist come out, which Johnny and Johnny Gargano and Chuck Taylor. Uh, they take out Greg Iron, which is just hilarious. The fact they just go straight for the ref uh, and bring they in... The... And they walloped him. <laughs> they, they walloped Greg Iron. They did not hold back. They were like, whack. <laughs> well, they're heels at this point. That's what they're meant to do. Yeah, but, and yeah. I, I know sort of Greg Iron would be like, don't treat me any differently. But when they hit him, I was like... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so then Greg Iron eventually gets the chain back and chases them off after they've set up a table in the ring. Um please don't die, Chance. There is, as Icarus and Granite. Oh, I'm Kuma. sorry, no, sorry, please be careful, Chance. That was it. Please, oh, is that what it was? Die. Yeah, please oh, be careful. Okay. So they climb up the ladder and we get a massive power bomb off the ladder. Not quite the top of the ladder, but close enough. Did, uh, did you the hear table. Did you hear the guy in the crowd? No, go on. Oh, there's, there's a guy in the crowd quite audibly said, I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> just with his mate really concerned 
Akuma grows up top, grabs the contract, and wins. So uh, now employed by Shikara again is Gran Akuma via a power bomb through the table from a ladder and capturing a Shikara contract. Uh, and a few of the fans chant, "This was awesome." Not all of them, but some of them. No, and I'm glad people didn't join in. Well, because really? it was it was very good. But as we said, uh, this is awesome, chant. Did you just say it even in the end of the match? And you yeah, because match okay. over. Yeah, this is awesome. Essentially, you're saying I'm glad that's finished. <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, like, I'm not a fan of that chant because it is it's um people chant it instead of like reacting to what's happening in the ring yeah. and it gets annoying i didn't mind it at the end of the match i think that's okay yeah you know we, we've spoken about charts well, chart, th- this is that time even. period of like people just chanting randomly just to try yeah. and get themselves over like, constantly. oh yeah. shut up mate <laughs> absolute wang <laughs> yeah it's, it's a strange time period um yeah i think we've been over this match enough right but yeah i think one of the best ladder matches I've seen from an independent side of things. Cool, good to hear. Good spots. Nothing too dangerous. Nothing too, oh, you know what I've got to do? We've got to go off here and jump a million miles, go off this ladder so many times. It, the spots were exciting and they were selective when they did them. There, yeah. was, there was nothing that was over the top. It was a well-thought-out ladder match. Good ending. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely better than last week's ladder match. Yeah. Considering this feud wasn't necessarily incredibly over, I think they did a really good job of getting the crowd invested and having enough spots there that they did their job. You could tell by the end of the match the crowd were more into it than at the beginning. Yeah. So next up, we've got a handicap match. We've got Sarah Del Rey and Saturine, uh, who's like the experienced woman for Shikara and the uh, the new girl for Shikara, the rookie, uh, versus the Bateri of Kadama, Oberian, and Kobold which are the luminous face-painted masked goblin creatures of Shikara. They looked amazing. Some of my favourites. I'd never seen these guys before, and I thought that presentation is would be good anywhere. Yeah. The first handicap match where it's three men against two women? Don't Interesting. Think I, don't I don't think I've ever seen, seen that before. No. Yeah, very Shikara, very unique. Um, Shikara have this line they drop a lot at this time period where... It's, it doesn't matter what sex you are, doesn't matter what creature you are, <laughs> or anything like this, any species, whatever it may be, they're all equal in Shakara, which I think is absolutely great. Yeah, and you could tell because when they get onto clubbing Sarah Del Rey later, again, yeah. and rightly so, I think if it's in the right story and the right thing, men and women's wrestling, intergender wrestling, is fantastic if done properly. Yeah, absolutely. And these people are all seen as even. Uh, I would honestly say that... Um, and Sarah Del Rey is one of the best wrestlers in the world at this point. Sarah Del Rey made the right decision for her career because had she gone to WWE at this time, being so as being so good at wrestling, yeah. just as you said, I think hands down the best wrestler in the world in 2012. Definitely, I say she's right up there. There's there's some good people around at this time period. But she is one of the best. She's referred to as the queen of wrestling. Yeah, and which, rightly so. Yeah, she is, she's the best. <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> but I do think it is a real shame that they hadn't had their the mainstream uh, women's matches five years ago so she could have been yeah. as part of that. Because I mean, she's got a nice spot now, as we've talked about on the pod before, yeah. and that she's got that training slot for NXT. And as soon as that women's revolution came in, the WWE picked her up quick to become that head trainer, and rightfully so. Yeah, because she was there prior to that revolution as well. Yeah. So you could tell, as soon as the women's division in NXT, 
that is all down to Sarah Del Rey. You could say very much like, okay, they've got the time to do it, but... I fa- think you mean Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, who the hell is he going to disagree with Sarah Del Rey being responsible for it? <laughs> but I honestly think that her experience, her ability to tell stories, her work in the ring, yeah. has made every female athlete and every male athlete who trains with her as well better you in that performance You can see her center. influence yeah, so exactly. much throughout the WWE. And it's brilliant. Because yeah. without her, with all honestly, I think had they not signed her, the women's division in WWE would be nowhere near the level it is without Sarah Del Rey. I think I can agree with that without even knowing the ins and outs of it. I think it's obvious from looking at the product and the quality of wrestling that's come through. You look at Bailey, Sasha Banks, people like this, they've obviously been influenced. Like Think about Charlotte Flair and how quickly she developed into this outstanding pro wrestler. You've got to believe Sarah Del Rey had a big chunk to do with that. Yeah. Would you be as far here if you were being trained by Bill DeMott? Yeah. Interesting. I'd love to get like some responses from these people, but it's not like they're going to respond to us. <laughs> Hi. Hey, was Sarah Del Rey useful to your career? Yeah. Was she better yeah. than Bill DeMott? <laughs> On the record. Uh, yeah, of course they're going to respond to that, yeah. So, Cobalt uh, comes out and instantly starts throwing toilet paper at the crowd, which is absolutely great. Uh, eventually, Sarah Del Rey and Saturine get in the ring. Uh, we get a big boot to Cobalt's face by Sarah Del Rey taking him out. And then Saturine off the top with a crossbody to the Batiri, who are the two lovely luminous face painting guys. Um, basically, the women just beat the crap out of the lads at this point. They're obviously the dominant wrestlers, which is a lovely little story to tell. Uh, we get double sunset flips, uh, which gets twos. Uh, the Baturi start to cheat and they end up going three on one against Sarah Del Rey. And Sarah Del Rey still holding her own yeah. at this point. <laughs> like, this is so good. Uh, the ref gets distracted. We get Cobalt biting Sarah Del Rey's tummy at one point as well. He's a little goblin, evil little creature, this one. But all the little things, the little nuances. As yeah. you said, as you started nibbling, I was like excellent work they would cut promos and put them on youtube and twitter and facebook and things which would be them like in a dark cave like with like stupid little packages and like things of dirt that they would look after <laughs> things like this. they're absolutely great i love these characters it's basically like the wrestling version of uh in the night gardens and Macapaca. i don't know what that is you will okay well someone someone listened to the pod got that reference so i'm sure they're very happy right Pro- now probably not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we get a huge dive from Saturine. Saturine's a resilient rookie kind of at this point and she's doing an absolutely great job. She's like, holding her own, isn't she? Yeah, she's a good high flyer. Yeah. I don't know what happened to her. Maybe she's wrestling as someone un- not underneath the mask anymore. But Sasha I- Banks. <laughs> Funny if it was. I don't think it is, but you never know. Um, Delirious suddenly comes out on the rampway here. Um, so I guess this is the point where I need to talk about the Eye of Tear a little bit. Yeah, because obviously I'm aware of Delirious's work. Mm. I like Delirious. And without any backstory, my reaction to this was, ah, oh, rubbish. I wanted to see the end of this match. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I like Delirious. I think, I think he's great. But without any context of why he was really there, sort of took away from it, of me being like, oh, it's Delirious. This is why. Okay. So, so I think this was two years ago. Uh, there was um, a kind of... German influenced WXW kind of faction called the Bruderschaft der Crisis or the BDK, which was Erez, uh, Claudio, um, Volta under a mask kind of gimmick. I think it was Volta, anyways, the size of the dude. You could probably tell who it was. <laughs> uh, and a few other people, including Jakob Hammermeyer, who's a great mouthpiece, and Sarah Del Rey was part of it for a while, even though she was always on the fringes of like, hmm, I'm not sure about this heel <laughs> tactic stuff. Um, and so eventually they got what's called the Eye of Tear 
which is like a brain control thing for Delirious, and they were controlling Delirious. Uh, and during that time, Ultramantis Black as well was controlling Delirious as a heel to do healy things, even though Delirious was a lovable character. So essentially, the idea is this like mind control thing. The Ultramantis has been trying to get back from the, the Rudos to try and take control of Delirious to free him, essentially, okay? So eventually, at high noon, um, Delirious finally gets back the Eye of Tear from the, I think from the BDK. Don't go me on that, but I think it was someone. Um, and Delirious is freed. But Delirious remembers everything that happened to him while he was under the influence of the Eye of Tear. So he remembers when Ultramatis Black was an evil man to him, essentially, and made manipulated him. And so while Ultramatis Black is now a good guy, Delirious hates him because of all the things he did. And so Delirious takes the Batiri from Ultramantis Black. So this Less explains oil. as well why at the end of the match when Delirious is kissing the heads of all the Batiri. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And so you get how that story, like, the storytelling, it's so, lo- the longevity and the, the smartness of it. and like. You but know. more importantly, a lot of criticism of things like WWE is that there's plot holes. And then, there's logic, and you're expected to forget things. Yeah. But such I little things as that. They don't reward you for remembering what yeah. happened in their product. Whereas, even just explaining that there, I'm thinking, brilliant. Because Ultramantis black and delirious they're good guys so in wwe they'll be like oh we t- we'll tag them <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. fact they've remembered that it's like we're good guys but you were a bit of an idiot to me yeah it's brilliant and that's the thing throughout this show and through obviously a bit of research and the backstories that you're telling quackenbush is just a genius <laughs> it's, it's eccentric and it's you know it's comical at times but the creativity to think of this level and then intertwines all of these stories all these characters together so every person on this roster has a purpose yeah. and it all links through and it's really encouraging to see smaller promotions having that skill in the hope that one day the bigger promotions which people watch will become better because of it or on the other side of things people get so fed up of watching promotions with so many plot lines and plot holes in it that they'll go and start watching the smaller promotions and be entertained, and therefore building up that promotion as well. Exactly, man. I think Quackenbush is quite obsessive-compulsive about his company and comic books and storylines and shows because there's a lot of um, influence in the titling of their shows come from uh, comic book series and James Bond and things of that nature. And so I think he's obsessed with making sure that if you're a fan of their product, they reward you for those, those yeah. years of service, essentially. And rightly so. It's, yeah. it's a great way to look after the fans. I wish WWE would do more of it. Yeah. You know? Well, Vince's approach of, well, they won't remember. <laughs> yeah. They do, Vince. We do, yeah, that's for sure. You don't even remember what last week was. <laughs> you should have stayed in that limo. <laughs> oh, uh, but uh, this match finishes <laughs> with um, a raw butterfly by Sarah Del Rey, which is a beautiful move. Uh, Delirious uh, does the choke bomb to Saturine, which distracts her. And then he takes out Sarah Del Rey with a nasty knee in the corner, and the ref calls for the bell and the distraction. So Sarah Del Rey and Saturine win via DQ because of Delirious interference. But um, obviously, you know, they're the worst aware at this point, which is a shame we don't get to see a finish to this match. But again, it's, it's good storytelling. It's serving it's... the purpose of future events. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Delirious, kisses each... Delirious kisses each of the Bateria on the forehead, as we said, and leads into the back, uh, becoming their new follower. And Sarah Del Rey sells it like a 
boss. She's laying in the ring, holding her face like, what the hell just happened? And uh, yeah, she even sells well. <laughs> She's not just great everywhere. She is the Lex Luger. She is the total package. Yeah, the total package. <laughs> We've got to stop doing that reference, but I like it. It's all right. I can't wait to make merch with it. <laughs> if anyone wasn't the total package, it's Lex Luger. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Hey, he had the Lex Express. He flew onto yeah. a hangar and some uh, and summer slammed and power slammed Yoko. <laughs> So we get, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Lucia de Apuesto? Is that Lucha? Lucha de Apuesto? Oh, oh, that's why. It, it, my uh, autocorrect has changed it from Lucha to Lucia, <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read that again. The Lucha de Apuesto match was Mask versus Hair and Hallowicked versus Tim Donst. Again, this is a very long backstory that I don't think we need to go into too much. It's pretty simple. They're the actual Young Lions Cup champion. Yeah, from different years. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But the, there's a guy who's currently the Young Lions Cup champion who is uh, a wrestler for Osaka Pro, who I wrote the name of. Uh, it's called Tadzuke, who came to Shikara, won the Young Lions Cup, and then went back to Osaka Pro and hasn't been back to defend it yet. So they haven't got... This is like their... I think you get the idea. It's like the Young Lions, yeah. the, 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 uh, the trainees kind of trophy as such. It's won in a tournament every year. Uh, and then it's defended throughout that year, and then it's back up for grabs when the tournament comes around every year. So does the holder relinquish it to then enter the tournament, or does he defend at the end of the tournament? Yeah. Um, you get to keep your Lions Cup championship, oh, Okay. but you aren't known as the champion of it's that It's like time. returning a football trophy. You can keep your replica, yeah, exactly. and then, you get, then you've got the chance to win another one. Yeah. When Tim Dunst comes out with this long hair... Did you get uh, an idea for who was going to win this match? <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> I thought this guy is going bald. Yeah. They, they obviously, it's uh, it's very long-term booking because he's grown out a lot and he must know this is happening many, many months in advance. So Probably nice really to happy to lose that match based on <laughs> what it looked like. Yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. So we get four arms from uh, Hallow Wicked to start. Uh, a bit hesitant by Tim Donce to start. He's kind of a bit stop-starty. It's a bit kind of like not as fluid as you'd expect from these two. No. Because they're, they're both been in Shikara for a while now. Um, Tim Donce's original gimmick was he was an amateur wrestler. I was going to say, because some of his mannerisms remind me a little bit of Kurt Angle when he started. Very, very Kurt Angle-esque. I think yeah. he was an amateur wrestler at school or okay. college or whatever it may be. Uh, and so this is his new character where he's more of a brawler, more of a heel, like a bad guy, you know, obsessing about things and becoming a bit twisted and a bit weird against Hallow Wicked, who, again, was traditionally a heel with Ultramantis um, and has become a good guy recently. Okay. Um, let's run through the spots and then we'll talk about characters and stuff afterwards. So... Uh, Tim Donce uh, gets in the corner and twists Hallowicked's mask around to stop him from being able to see and starts to take control of the match. Um, he does the nipple clamps on him, does a cool gator roll, which is part of the old amateur background still there. Um, they refer to him as kind of schizophrenic on commentary. And he is kind of going between his old characters, new characters, yeah. really good wrestling. But then he does horrible stuff like choking and eye pokes and, you know, nipples and grabbing and things. And it, was, and it got over well that it's like, yeah. it's, you know, to quote sort of the three face of phony, but the two faces of um, of Tim Donst mm -hmm. doing those things, you could tell, and there were switches in the match, and it was really nice to pick it up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I like this character development. Um, I think Tim Donst needed it. He was very much the middle of the road sort of character up until this point, and was liked, but not adored. And this is where he started to become a real bad guy. People really started to hate him. So I think this was necessary for him. Um, you get a huge snapmare off the top by Hallow Wicked where he does it over the top of his head. It's a pretty cool little moment. It's Again, the, the wrestling throughout the show and this match as well, 
there are some parts in it you think, my God, that's amazing. Again, real um, innovative stuff. Yeah. Hallow Wicked goes on in the next few years to become the grand champion. Oh, okay. Uh, top heel bad guy. Uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world, in my opinion. I wonder whether he's a more popular character in say ROH or PWG without the mask um, because I don't know I always thought he's one of these guys that is WWE suited um, very very technically sound gifted character uh, he ends up wearing this massive ring jacket with his huge collars and headpieces and such nice and really pushes this character to Buying a long into way. it as well by the sound of things yeah very much so um, I think I wish him all the best and I wish he'd get some more exposure but again, he's one of the top dogs in Shikara and has been for a long time, like in recent times. He hits the sleepy, go to sleepy hollow, uh, which is basically go to sleep, but with a kick instead of a knee, yep. which I think is probably a better move, to be yeah, honest. looks but, brutal. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Don sticks on this submission, which is basically um, like a cross face, but with his arm kind of wrapped around the side and ends up like biting Hallowicked and such, like getting this schizophrenic character over. You get a German from the apron to the floor, but it doesn't happen. And we get a reverse and uh, he does a huge, um, Hallowicked does a huge tope to the outside. I'm not quite sure what happened here. I think uh, because the the, um, the guardrails are quite close to the ring, they kind of dive into that. I think the idea was that Tim Donson was going to catch him and knee him in the face, but it doesn't really work. Even though the um, the commentators think that Hallowicked's got his move, but then he starts to sell. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit of a mess at that point, but it's a bit of a shame that didn't work. But I think it because everyone was so into the match, things like that added to it. Yeah, it got, it gave it that air of realism that he's got to go for these top moves to try and win, and you know sometimes they do not pay off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, we get a huge belly to belly into the corner where Hallowicked lands on his head, which is pretty brutal. Hallowicked hits the Rydeen bomb from Brett's rope, which is huge. It's basically a double underhook, like a D'Lo Brown sky high. Yeah, lovely move. Love to see it used. Not used enough, I think. A really cool little power bomb sort of spot, but nice and safe, you know. <laughs> um, Hallowicked goes for his big boot, uh, but um, Tim Dons pulls Bryce in front of him. We get a ref bump. So Hallowicked lays on the Shakara special, which is like the Shakara submission that you're yep. taught in the school, uh, which Tim Dons tamps, but no Bryce because he's taken the ref bump. Um, Tim Dons goes to get the chair, but Hallow Wicked threatens to throw his young lion's cup out of the ring to make him drop the chair. Really cool little yeah, moment. Nice. Love that storytelling. Um, uh, he throws it to Tim Dons. He catches it. We get the big boot. One, two. Oh, he still kicks out, which I thought that was the finish. Uh, Hallow Wicked tries to help Bryce up, but again, low blow by Tim Dons. He wraps the shoelace around him, chokes him out, and uh, your winner or is it <laughs> at that stage i thought this is quite a this is quite a shoddy shenanigan-y finish yeah tim Dons winning by a chokeout which he's done a couple of times recently leading up to this with uh, the okay hello wicked then having to unmask until yeah i remember watching this live and being shocked like hello wicked's gonna unmask <laughs> wow it's actually gonna happen like do we get to find out who he is and his name and where he's from they've done him with shenanigans yeah <laughs> Uh, but the three times the arm is lifted and three times the arm falls, so he taps and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't actually tap, but he goes out. Um, Tim Dons hides the shoestring under his armpit as he goes around the ring gloating and celebrating. Ultramantis Black protests on commentary a lot because this is his tag team partner. Yep. And he does a great job of getting over this story. Bryce goes to raise Tim Dons' hand and the shoelace falls out and he is busted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the match gets restarted, get a quick big boot from Hallow Wicked, slaps on the cross face, uh, kind of back arm thing that Tim Dons had on him earlier. 
Uh, Tim Donks taps out and Bryce uh, does the big windmill. He's quit. <laughs> I love Bryce Remsburg. I think he does a great job. And um, your win- actual winner via um, submission uh, is Hallow Wicked. And then we get the old clippers out to do only a, a tiny part of a head shave. Is that not the best way to do it, though? Because what they do is they, they cut off, obviously, just the top of his hair yeah. to make him look ridiculous like a priest. <laughs> so when, when they just shave someone's head, I'm always like, oh, so his hair shaved. Okay, fair enough. But Lots to, of people have their hair shaved. To look ridiculous is the way forward. To make him look as stupid and silly as possible. I think that was a great idea, you know? I wonder whether Tim Donce knew that's what they were going to do. Because he looks genuinely shocked when he yeah. stops. He's like, no, <laughs> you're staying like that. Yeah. <laughs> Good match. Start to finish. Um, I said the only slightly iffy bit was into the guardrail on the outside. Yeah, true. But and the, the I, start I still think, was a bit stop style. I think yeah. they're a bit anxious. So I think Tim is not the most experienced of wrestlers at this point. And uh, Tim Donaldson is so devastated that he picks up his Young Lions cup that Hallow Kid throws back to him because he's like, here you go, boy. Keep your cup. Like, I don't need it. And he picks it up and smashes it on the floor and spits on it. With the rage of the uh, the, the, the audience. <gasps> oh, no. Your young lion's cup that you were so in love with. You're so devastated. And rightly so. Yeah. I, I'd hate to lose my hair. <laughs> this is a hairless man. You've got plenty of hair downstairs. <laughs> Wait, hang on. <laughs> There's a clip for the beginning. As we sit here naked doing the podcast, it's so hard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you almost made uh, Pepsi Max come out my nose. Ah, uh, oh, neck. All right. So we've got a 10-man tag team elimination match of the colony of uh, Army Ant, Fire Ant, and Green Ant with Jigsaw and the grand champion Eddie Kingston versus Kikido of the 17 Shard and the Swarm, which is Assailant, Combatant, and Deviant. I love that so much. <laughs> That's so good. So very good. As, as I was looking at it, they came out, I was like, ah, well done. <laughs> very well done. Yeah, it's really fun. Did, did you get the story behind this? Um, Specifically the Kikido. No, but I get the impression that they are the outsiders coming in to attack Shikara. Okay. So, so... it's essentially like comedy version NWO. Uh, kind of along those lines, um, the Gekido were Shikara trainees who didn't complete their training, so didn't graduate. Oh, nice. And were kind of rejected by Quackenbush because they weren't up to standards, how they tell the story. Yeah. Uh, Quackenbush's story is they were guys that couldn't live up to the quality of Shikara. So if you actually think about like who they are, obviously the Swarm, Assailant, Combatant, and Deviant, are a ripoff of the colony. So Fire Soldier and blah, blah, yeah. blah. The 17 is a kind of evil... I should say, and rather than rip-off, I should say kind of like evil versions, like uh, wacky world versions yeah. of the Shikara characters. So Mike Quackenbush is known as the man of a thousand holds. 17 is called 17 because he's got 17 unknown holds that have been lost in history that he comes back and uses Amazing. to beat people. And the Shard is kind of the evil version of Jigsaw because he's not ah, okay. a Jigsaw that gets put together. He's a Shard that sticks in the side of everything, you know? So it's like Nicely it's done. clever storytelling, you know? Uh, yeah, there, there's a, a really good feud coming into this as well. Like really, really good guys, really, really bad guys. But the bad guys have got a justification. They've got a real good point of why they're there, you know? Which makes a good heel. Yeah. It really does. When he believes their stuff. Yeah, you know? exactly. And that's what essentially a heel is. They don't deliberately think they're being an arse. They're, they think they're right. Yeah. And they're so hell-bent. And by the same thing, this storyline of we've been wronged, we are good enough to be from from the training school. We aren't below the level that Quackenbush thinks we are. And it's just 
simplistic stuff done brilliantly well. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this storyline coming in. So pre-match, we get uh, our Eddie Kingston promo where he talks about rage and how that's what the Gikido means. Uh, pretty cool promo. Eddie Kingston, very passionate. Uh, nice to see him doing well in Impact and stuff with LAX nowadays. Bryce is mad when Derek Sabato comes out. He's like, oh, this clown and kicks the bottom rope and really goes <laughs> over how much he hates Derek Sabato, which I thought was absolutely great storytelling. And no music for the Rudos. And again, why would they need it? Of course, because why would Shikara give it to them? Yeah. They're not hired Shikara no. guys, you know? They are the outsiders. Very clever. Very yeah. cool. And again, logical. That's yeah. what, outside of the fun level of the show and the in-ring action, everything was logical. Again, the wrestling may not be the greatest quality of wrestling. It doesn't hold a candle to New Japan, or maybe ROH or PWG. But, I mean, it's it's fun wrestling. You know, it's fun, flippy, lucha-style wrestling, but the, the storylines and the gimmicks and the, the colourful characters, I really do make up for it. So this match starts off in a massive fight, a uh, big brawl, and then Quack comes out as the fifth man, even though he's legitimately broken his wrist leading into this, uh, apparently. I don't know whether that is kayfabe or not, but <laughs> uh, we get a massive shote to Sabato, which is great, the big palm strike. Um, huge tope by Quack, uh, but they barely catch him. Again, this comes back to my: there's too many men. Someone needs to go get Murder Clown. <laughs> <laughs> needs to catch him. Uh, he almost smacks his head on the floor here. Oh. I, I think he might have, to be honest. Like, yeah, they, I mean, as as we said before, you just alluded to there. Big dives, multiple people equal. You're gonna get hurt. I'd much rather see you dive onto one big one, lad that you know is yeah. gonna catch him, rather than four or five people. They're like, ah, oh, they'll catch him. It'll be all right, and then no Ooh. one catches him. Yeah, uh, I can see why they th- always think it's gonna be better to go into a crowd of people. But like, if you were diving off the top rope, I'd rather catch you myself than rely yeah. on anyone oh, else definitely. on it. You know, Have you ever gone off the top rope to the outside? Uh, no <laughs> I'm just wondering so there's a line here from Shikarison where he says no part of 17 skin is on show and I noticed that uh, yeah his hands are exposed yep. you can clearly see his skin <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny um, they talk about the Gekido arm tattoos so the idea is that Gekido uh, the, the Rudos have all got a tattoo which is all meant to be their, their signal or whatever I've never seen one of these tattoos I couldn't pick anything out from the action that I saw but again but buying the gimmick yeah they're trying to play a trade this like they're almost like um how much marvel stuff do you know about little to none so there's like a, a group of kind of like secretive ninjas called the hand right uh, and things of this nature um which are like you know secretive and they all have like similar tattoos and branding and such i think this is the kind of character oh, okay. they're trying to play into right now so deviant tries to remove soldiers masks straight away and this is kind of a running gimmick and they're constantly trying to remove the good guys masks to the point where the uh the good guys get so annoyed of it they start to do it to the runos <laughs> which is kind yeah. of funny but again this is them trying to expose the shikara guys that they're almost jealous of you know yeah. playing into those storylines um soldier tears into them, one of the swarms mask and literally starts to tear it apart which leads into a mass brawl as everyone protests at once which is really cool selling the heat of the moment how no one can resist like getting in there and yeah. stopping this from happening um i know it's kind of a traditional lucha thing to do but, but least- how important the mask was to have that much of an uproar and that yeah. much of a sort of spat after it i don't know if you caught this on commentary but if you remove someone's mask or expose their face you're instantly disqualified in shikara yeah they did i did pick that yeah cool cool it really gets over the importance of the mask yeah. and the lucha libre kind of roots they have and and again the and the rules yeah yeah Actually, i love the, investing the rules, in the rules yeah yeah, yeah. um I love how the rules are fairly relaxed in Shikara in that if you fall to the outside that that's good enough to be a tag like in Lucha. Yeah. 
Um, so it leaves them open to be expressive in the ring and to do fun, interesting things without having to do the kind of um, like the standard tag moves you'd have to do. They can uh, they can get rid of a lot. I'm gonna show up. Let's just come up. Yeah, I'm, no, you're, you're talking about the sort of things like that one's holding them like in a wrist lock and they make the tag and someone goes off Brett's rope with a like an axe handle. Onto yeah, it. there's a lot. It's, it's, or the double wishbone. So a lot more of the lucha stuff is emphasised to, to disregard those old kind of tag moves, which they can skip by just jumping to the outside and making a tag that way, which is kind of fun. And it also keeps the match more exciting and the lucha style that Shikara kind of uh, evokes. So Kingston eventually gets the tag here, which goes absolute fire and he goes crazy. He's obviously getting over the importance of the grand champion and how strong he is. So we get a jigsaw double stomp and super kicks. Uh, he points to the balcony to make sure that everyone in the audience and at home and the cameras are all paying attention to what's happening on the balcony because Green Ant does a massive dive off the top of this balcony onto everyone down below. And thank God they catch it. New Jack style. Yeah, very much so. But just the fact that Jigsaw has the the forethought to stop what he's doing and point up and make sure everyone's paying attention so they get this spot. Yeah. The amount of times, like when we were at Progress in Brixton, Mark Andrews did a spot where he flipped off a balcony. We almost completely oh, missed it because we were watching other stuff that was happening yeah. down near us and in the ring. And so I love this moment from Jig to have that forethought to make sure everyone's paying attention. So we get suplexes, uh, Tower of Doom, arm drags, German suplexes off the top for the Rudos. We get a Mega Ant Hill to 17, uh, Shikara Special to 17, and he taps and the Technicos win via Shikara Special, which is lovely. But then, post-match... Quackenbush doesn't start celebrating. He looks very, very intense and very serious. He puts his mouth right up to 17's ear and is viciously talking to him, making sure he's hearing what he's saying. Picks him up and viciously snaps his wrists or fingers or something. And uh, 17 sells this like it's the worst thing in the world. So Quack is post-match attacking this guy and really trying to hurt him. And then this is where I want to talk about Quack's dark side a little bit. Because Quack comes across as this lovable, great character. But in the past, especially for Shikara, I don't know about outside of Shikara, when Quack's been under pressure or it's a really important moment to him and his company, he gets evil and nasty. And you can see him there trying to really get across how important it is that these guys hurt him and he's going to hurt them back. You know? You could tell uh, it's like a switch going and his facials, his. And she said, just when he was snapping the wrist, like hand area, for seventeen, it's yeah, it's it gone is the face heel. It's definitely straight away you can see it's like you tried to destroy my business, and I'm gonna mess you up for yeah, it. Yeah, his career as well. They broke his wrist previously yeah. as well. So at the last pay per view for High Noon, there was a massive tournament leading up to the finals for the Grand Championship, and it ended up being Eddie Kingston and Quackenbush. And Eddie Kingston has started to get over as this like strong face after being a heel for many years. And Quackenbush started to kind of cheat his way into that final to the point where in this match, in the final, Quack goes full Rudo for this one oh, really? match. And he's doing everything he can to viciously beat up Eddie Kingston and make sure he wins that belt, but doesn't, you know? And so he, he then became face afterwards, Technico, whatever, um, to kind of get back into this storyline. And the thing has come... It has come back to that kind of like i'm going to use this rudo tactic to make you feel like this horrible yeah. way or whatever use um, your ways yeah. against you sort of thing exactly he's done it against claudio in the past cesaro when they had like their feud he did it against hero in the past as well like it's very very rare but when he does it it's like you can tell how important this storyline is and it's it's getting across that character of quack has that dark evil side inside him do you think that quackenbush would 
ever want or have the inclination to go and work and do a full-time creative job for WWE. Okay, so uh, he's done a couple of training sessions at the Performance Center. Uh, WWE posted it on their social media, and uh, it was, I was really pleased to see Quack there doing that. Uh, can you imagine Quack writing storylines for NXT, for example? Can you imagine Quack writing for Dream? Oh, mm. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, um, because while I am not overly familiar with the um, Chikara product, I'm very much aware of Mike Quackenbush as a creative, as an in-ring talent. Yeah. And it is such a shame that he hasn't had more of a... A, a larger platform to be able to show how good he is as a mind for the wrestling business. It's it's beautiful seeing his work with Shakara and how developed it is and how he's trained 90% of these guys that wrestle for Shakara almost 100% a lot of the time. Um, so his influence is this company. He is the controlling factor. He's, he's the booker, the booker man, whatever it may be. He's the trainer. He's every element of Shakara. Shakara is Quackenbush, which is really fun. But as you say, uh, I would like to see him get a significant payday. Uh, I'd like to see him have a nice, easy retirement, maybe one day with WWE, writing for a show where he can be in one location, doesn't have to travel. I'm not sure he'd want to do that. Um, yeah, he's been one of the top indie guys in the Americas and a lot of the time in Europe as well. Like he's come across to Europe for a lot of shows, so a Fight Club Pro and people like that. Yeah. Um, where I think he's made a really good career for himself. Um, I wonder how much he actually deep down inside would want to be a WWE go. Yeah. I wonder. I'm not sure whether he's independent through choice or independent through that's he never got the opportunity. Main event time. Main event. The Campeonatos de Parejas. The two out of three falls match uh, between the Young Bucks and Fist. So kind of cool. So Fist, when they initially got their title shot, they were in an elimination match and they got three points in one match. And the Young Bucks did the same thing by win- by eliminating three teams in one elimination match to get their three points to get into this shot against Fist. Really cool little plot coming into it, you know. Um, we cut to the Young Bucks promo where they look super young. It's so strange seeing them like this, especially in their kind of heavyweight New Japan days where they built up the muscle and such yeah. nowadays. And obviously they've had a lot of experience since this. Uh, this was six years ago now at this point. Um, they look youthful and spotty. And they are <laughs> yeah. very young bucks. They are stage. indeed. Yeah. So speaking of this, yep. they get the Umbob entrance, which is classy young bucks. Absolutely love it. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it's my favorite song ever. I love it. We're cutting that, that right? <laughs> I'm not cutting that. I'm leaving that in. That's for sure. That's the intro uh, to the song forever. So people chant Young Bucks at them and Matt turns around and looks absolutely disgusted with them, which I thought was quite funny. Trying to get over their heel characters. Uh, got Leonard Shikaris and Ultramantis Black on commentary again. Uh, good combination. So Gargano wipes his ass with the Young Bucks t-shirt, um, which makes me want to mention the Young Bucks merch here at this point. In the, at this point in their careers, I'm sure they're making okay money, but Jesus Christ, the money they make on their merch later in life is... They, well they probably done. Don't, they probably don't need that one t-shirt he's wiping his ass with. They're like, yeah, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't sell you a t-shirt for 15 quid off, would they? No, it's definitely sweaty. not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get super lucha spots to start, loads of flipty doos, uh, very, very lucha libre, which is always fun uh, for your main event, especially in Shikara. 
Uh, we get Chuck stomping a mud hole dry to Nick in the corner and then continues to stomp even after he stopped kicking him, which is always one of my favourite Good spots. old Chucky T. <laughs> Chuck Taylor is great, man. Uh, really nice to see him getting more exposure with New Japan and ROH yeah. and being taken as a serious wrestler occasionally as well, which is good. Love his comedy stuff, but he's a quality wrestler. Um, Young Bucks take over and one of the cameras is still out of sync unfortunately so we get all sorts of like weird moments we actually miss spots because they're throwing so much stuff down uh, I'll quickly run through some of the spots I've only put some of them here because this match is constant yeah. fast paced um, Gargano's selling pretty well I know you're not the biggest fan but I like how he's getting over some of the stuff his selling's good but the problem is with Gargano in modern day to modern times his career's ruined because Daniel Bryan's back uh, yeah, maybe that plucky underdog character. Yeah, know. had Daniel Bryan retired, Gargano would be heading for the main roster and a decent career up there. But while yeah, Daniel Bryan's maybe. there, Gargano will always be, oh, you're Daniel Bryan. I can see that, yeah. I mean, Daniel Bryan might be a part-timer, so maybe there is space for Gargano, but uh, as we talked about before, I'm not no. sure he's on the main roster. No, not point. at all. I know, and yeah. 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 So we get a suplexes sent on combo by the Young Bucks. They run through a lot of their spots, which are um, pretty cool. Uh, Gargano gets his knees up to a rolling kick. Uh, we get Chuck Taylor almost missing a drop kick when he does it springboard off the ropes. He's like inches, but like one of the young bucks kind of sells it anyway, and they just about get away with it. Uh, we get the fist double elbow drop they always do, and they do the little dance and the boogie, and then they just start stomping away, still doing rudo things, even they're starting to become more liked by the crowd. Weird scenario where you've got two rudo teams against each other in your main event for the belts. The the fans kind of have to pick one or the yeah. other. It's a progress booking is what I refer to this as because progress do this constantly. <laughs> uh, they always book heels against heels just to see who's going to get the face reaction. We get Young Bucks and Fist Chance, but Fist Chance are definitely stronger, I'd say. I'd say so. Okay, cool. Which leads into uh, Gargano hitting a long blower on Nick and there's a quick roll up by Matt onto Chuck Taylor and they get one, two, three for the first fall. Very kind of underwhelming, but, you know, deserving of this match and the scenario like potentially roll up. two other falls in the match can't give it all away exactly yeah very much so so the young bucks lose the, use the lucha tag rule a lot they jump out of the ring the next one comes in so they can keep their spots running uh i think these lucha rules really are good for the young bucks yeah it fits their character well yeah definitely and get lots of like cheating by both teams to be honest because they're both rudos they get choked with the t-shirts behind bryce back uh fist getting over with the fans more and more as this match goes on uh the young bucks start to cheat more and more they do lots of classic rudo spots like chokes and trips uh gargano gets a close tag but then he goes through the legs gets a flatliner ddt combination on the young bucks and finally gets the hot tag to chuck taylor he comes in of a house of fire one of my favorite <laughs> things ever um they got a topo con hilo by chuck uh, as he kisses the young lad on the head afterwards which is kind of a cute Aww. moment you know and like you get this whole on commentary of the game but he's meant to be a rudo what's he doing kissing the fans <laughs> which is kind of like a nice moment uh roll up by chuck taylor handful of tights one two three and fist cheat to get a pinfall one all one all and uh some brilliant rudo tactics here this is a lot of fun I find it very rare that in a two out of three falls match you get a clean sweep. So when our friends in Fist got the victory, I was unsurprisingly... Oh, we knew it was all coming, I think. isn't it? Waiting for the third and final fall. With Fist being the top Shikara Rudos and the Young Bucks being one of the top tag teams on the scene at that time, at least. You're uh, not going to have a whitewash, are you? No, I don't think so. Okay, so um, we then get a bit of do si Spear and Tope by Fist. Uh, I start to lose track of what's happening at this point because we get like a super 3D uh, where he lifts him up over his shoulders into the kind of um, 
what's Scott Hall's finisher? Razor's Edge. The Razor's Edge, but into the DDT, the, yeah. into the cutter, sorry, which is pretty awesome. And then the fans chant, this is wrestling? Yes, it is. Well done. Yeah. Well noticed. Um, You've been here for two and a bit hours. <laughs> you know it's wrestling. So uh, things happen. It's <laughs> a bit I'm, botchy. I'm really glad you had to do play-by-play play for this because I would have been so basically <laughs> pause, pause, pause. Stop. It would take me six hours to watch the match and take notes. I try not to pause it too much when I'm doing this because I don't want to get ruin the flow of the, flow of the match for myself yeah. or anything. Um, but I did have to pause it a couple of times just yeah. to write stuff down. Um, now, in a way, could that be a criticism of this match? It was, no, it's it's no? Shakara's flippy lucha style main events. It's what they do. I, a lot well, that's thing. I think it fits the promotion. Yeah, it's above, pure what it was. I enjoyed know. it. It's not a criticism of the match, but if I saw this week after week in every promotion, and it's all a million miles an hour, I would lose interest. See, this is why Shakara is better than any other lucha promotion in the world. Is it's not just that, but you get kind of silly lucha matches as well, which breaks it up a little bit. And so you do get the flippy stuff and these these really like big spot fest matches just to kind of pop the crowd. Um, but you do get other stuff breaking it up. Yeah. Uh, which is less so on this show. Again, mainly because they're finishing off storylines. They want to get across the seriousness of these stories. You know, maybe we should have picked a show that had more comedy in it so you can get more of an idea for what Shakara kind of really but is. But no, really. I said, I think the fact that this show was their second iPay-per-view. I think the fact it was a culmination of all the feuds. Yeah. And we'll get to sort of final thoughts um, shortly after the, the final fall. But yeah, great show for an introduction, I think, Shikara. Yeah, cool. I tried to go for one that was more spectacular in a bigger venue and such, yeah. you know? Yeah, cool, cool. So, super kicks. <laughs> Lots of super kicks. <laughs> I lost count. <laughs> this is the Young Bucks super kick phase they're doing a lot of them at this yeah. point yeah this is just pre-super kick party no one mentions it i don't know if you get that but uh, yeah it's <laughs> you're not a fan one and done <laughs> one super kick or a double super kick or one does one one does the other but you know that's why they do more is to yeah. piss people off who say that sort of stuff you know it doesn't piss me off but i'm like yeah, yeah. Just, i don't like counting i do it at work fair enough <laughs> <laughs> so we get a huge discus laris and kind of builds up as bryce counts them out on the outside uh we get this fighting fighting on the apron spot which you get uh, Chuck Taylor doing the soul food, which I love. One of my favorite moves, throws his beer up to the face, leans back and brings the arm down so the foot connects with his hand as he comes down. Love Chucky T, my favorite wrestler in this match. Oh, cool. Good to know. I'm a big fan. Very funny guy yeah. when he needs to be. Um, you can then get Matt doing his like flip over your dead DDT on the outside of the apron, which is a lovely little spot. Um, then we get Matt and Chuck Taylor exchanging forearms. Um, I rake by Matt because he's a rudo and that's what they're meant to do. Yep. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, we get loads of spots. Uh, the hard cam's still out of sync at this point, which is a shame because that really destroys everything. <laughs> get an assisted DDT by Fist and then Gargano's finish at the time, which is the Hurts Don't It, which I think is a great name, yep. uh, which only gets two, which I didn't see coming. I thought that was going to be the finish again and got me, but again, not Protected indeed. Yeah, there's quite a lot of false finishes here as you might expect from this match. Yeah. Uh, Gargano goes to the spear to the ramp but misses ends up connecting with the the stairs which is horrible like really nicely sold um, then Matt comes in hits Chuck Taylor with the belt behind the rest back gets one two but kicks out hit the indie taker one two Gargano breaks it up nice little couple of false finishes here like nothing too serious but no, you know playing off the Rudo characters yeah. you know uh, Gargano fights back, double super kicks, more bang for your buck, one, two, three, third, four, and probably unexpected, new champions, the Young Bucks. I was surprised the Young Bucks won. 
Yeah, I didn't see this coming at the time. E- even when I was watching this, I thought to myself, well, the Bucks are here essentially as guests and Chucky e. T and Gagano are here. Part of storylines going forwards. So the fact they gave the belts to the Bucks was a surprise, which again is nice. I like being surprised in wrestling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, very good main event. Enjoyable, very watchable. And again, as I said, from a per- some, someone who didn't know that they'd got their three points, their tag shot, and the same as the Bucks mm-hmm. leading up to it. It was a good match to watch. And again, to finish a really good evening of watching wrestling. As fast-paced lucha matches go, this is probably one of my favourite sort of matches. Um, there was enough spots to keep it fun and fresh and pop the crowd, but not too much, you know? Like, they weren't doing crazy flips to the outside too often. There was two or three. You know, you get the Undertaker, two or three false finishes leading up to that end. You know, it's cool. It's, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was well-structured for a two out of three falls. Yeah. I think it had enough of everything that you needed. I don't think everything was over the top of pub and super kicks, but then mm-hmm. that was their thing they were doing, so they've got to get it over. Yeah. And what do I know? They got it over, and it's a massive <laughs> thing. Pure uh, Shikara sort of made yeah. it. Yeah, really but is. I think overall, for a, a first Shikara event start to finish really enjoyable i think if anyone is going to start it's a it's a good starting point if you want more comedy then maybe um high noon would have been a better one to start with possibly um uh, don't know high noon's very serious as well because okay. it's the um the, the um the, the, uh, the first paper beginning yeah and the roundup of that tournament uh, honestly if you're going to get into shikara um i signed up for their subscription service do them do them a favor get some get some money in their pockets they they don't have the biggest wealth income from any company i imagine um it, there's everything is on there from the last like 10 years 12 years however long it's been uh flick through have a look at some shows from 2012 i particularly go for some of the smaller shows uh, and just flick through the matches you enjoy the ones you don't enjoy and maybe have a look online because even like looking at wikipedia for shikara the fans are so passionate about it there's detailed storylines listed for each show so you can pretty much jump into any show any time period i would personally start around 2010 2012 anywhere in there okay because there's some really good storylines um shikara do stuff like they have seasons for example which we've talked about a few times before and shikara do that very successfully they have a season where they wrestle they all take three four months off to go work other indies get healthy and then they all come back they reset their minds reset the storylines and then they go for it like it's really cool but again they reward you for paying attention to their stuff um out of uh out of cornflakes out of five cornflakes how would you rate the show for me, uh, I'd give it a solid 3.5, uh, which seems maybe brutal, but it was missing a few things for me for a Shakara show. Comedy. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the comedy from Shakara over this time period. One of the main reasons I started watching it. Really entertaining, not taking itself too seriously. Um, I think some of the big payoff matches are a little sloppy. Um, I think the camera work is effective but has some production issues here and there like cameras being out of sync um i think 3.5 is very positive yeah i would agree with that rating yeah i would i think yeah start to finish very watchable show no dud matches in it okay i think it was a very good cool did you catch the post title sequence I did not. I'm for after at the end of the match. <laughs> I, I I shut it off as it was getting onto the credits. Okay, no worries. I would have. I think I did the first time as well, but I just happened to leave it through because I was finishing off my notes. And what pops up is the very first. Where in the world is Archbold Peck? 
segment. Amazing. Okay, so this goes on to continue. What it is is uh, they cut to a camera that's kind of like a bit handheld through a park of some sort, and it pans up to a Rocky statue. So they're obviously in Philadelphia, just post-event, okay? And Archibald Peck, as he left the ring, with his hands and his head down, slowly walking forward, walks past the camera and off into the distance. Amazing. Past a family, just completely blanking them in his full gear, everything, okay? <laughs> and what this leads on is uh, every like week, every, every month, whatever it be, these videos would suddenly pop up of Archibald Peck in a different part of the world or in america just walking along just like <laughs> depressed <laughs> upset like he's just started walking after the event of being let down and being le- dumped by essentially by veronica <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> just crossing america depressed and again it's continuity throughout yeah with comedy <laughs> just the fact that they had the first one at the end of this kind of like post uh credit sequence like marvel or something genius absolutely hilarious like really cool just to stick that at the end you know so, to finish off this week's pod, are you ready to play a game of promos with a Z? Let's do it, brother. Hit that music. This week's episode of Promos with a Z is the Steiner Brothers I love that you went back edition. to saying Z rather than Z, because I went with it last week, but uh, I think Z's funnier. Promos with a Z. <laughs> um, I'm so happy we're doing the Steiners. Let's do it. Well, the thing with the Steiners as well, you've only got, you've got a 50-50, but they're so ludicrous, it could be said by either of them. <laughs> so so we're just doing Rick and Scott, I'm yep, assuming. So we've cool. got five uh, promos. You have to get three out of the five to win. Okay, let's do it. Okay, promo number one. Last week was just a taste. Next week, I'm going to knock the slap off you, boy. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with Rick. It seems more to the point and more Rick style. Okay. That was indeed Rick Steiner. Yeah. One excellent. Nil. I'm one down. I'm going for a perfect here. I think I could okay. do it. Right. This next promo is actually a conversation with one of the Steiners and Gene Oakland. Okay. So let's do it. Gene Oakland starts by saying, You've held the world television title before. Response. I ain't never held that title. (laughs) Oakland. You've held world titles, tag titles all around the world. Steiner's response. How do you know I held a title? Gene (laughs) Oakland said, I've got a hotline. And then Steiner replies with, saying everything. I'm going to beat him, Gene. (laughs) Is that it? (laughs) Jesus, okay. Uh... Again, it's quite to the point. It's quite short. It's not rambly. So I'm going to go Rick again. You are correct, sir. Come on. Let's do it. Two out of two. I listened to this promo uh, in the car just to make sure I get the pronunciation (laughs) right because I want to say exactly how said Steiner said it. Okay, go for it. Get ready to be wowed. (laughs) Just like Hiroshima when Pearl Harbor bombed the Germans. (laughs) No, it's straight away. <laughs> Carry on the skit. No, out. that's it. Oh, is that it? That's oh, it's it. Scott all day, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that is Scott through and through. He just don't like, give no crap. No, it's like, just Hiroshima when Pearl Harbor bombed the Germans. That's <laughs> like, makes no sense. Well done, mate. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Three for three. Let's do it. Okay. It's easier when there's only two choices. I'm yeah, that's fine. Oh, God. So, DDP, when you're in the hospital screaming in pain, your wife is going to be on her back screaming oh, my that, name. that's Scott all day. Yeah, yep. definitely. I remember that promo. <laughs> okay. Um, where is your final 
promo. Okay. Here we go. Go on, see if I can get it perfect. When I'm selling the pot... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> When I'm sat on the porch looking to gnaw on some fresh meat, Booker, your fresh meat, I should be US champion. And if it wasn't for your brother, I'd be US champion. I'd be US champion if it wasn't for your brother. If you were fresh meat, I'd gnaw on you if I was US champion. <laughs> Is that all one or did you repeat it? No, that's, that's all just one. just all one. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay. Um, harder. I'm going to go with Rick because of the gimmick. You have the perfect score. Yeah, five out of five. Awesome. Five out of five. I'll take that. That was fun. I love the Steiners. Oh, man. man. I could have picked so many. I think, unsurprisingly, more Scott than Rick. <laughs> but the um, the the promo where uh, Rick Steiner and Gene Oakland were talking, this is the one where Rick Steiner kept walking towards the camera and Gene Oakland like, <laughs> kept having to pull him back. It's like, how do you know I've held titles? Got hot running away from him. It's like, uh, no, 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 come back. We're doing a promo for TV here. Uh, what are you doing? There were so many. And obviously, uh, all all the maths promo. Uh, 33 and a third, and your 33 and a yeah. third gets my 22 and three quarters. <laughs> the numbers say but, you ain't got a chance. But as soon as you'd mentioned anything from that promo, I would have known exactly who it was. See, that's the art of like yeah. promos. Like, yeah, it's definitely harder with three people than two. Like, but yeah. I had just a pro in the, uh, and uh, just like when Pearl Harbor bombed the Germans. <laughs> Come on! Amazing. Oh, amazing. Have you got a Wrestle League update, by the way? I do. Um, and it's not good news for either of us on this uh, episode of Wrestle League. So we missed last okay. week, but that's it, not the worst thing in the world because it ended really badly. And I also remember <laughs> that you said you were going to email me some subs, but you didn't. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. I have got my subs here, so we can definitely well, do that. Well, that's good news for you because this week, only two of your wrestlers actually wrestled over both shows and both of them lost. <laughs> Braun Strowman lost by DQ to Jinder Mahal. Excellent. And I'm spotting a pattern here, by the way. Matt Hardy lost as part of the tag team. Okay. For me, I had uh, I had Basil Corbs beating Finn Balor, uh, Seth Rollins beating Drew McIntyre by disqualification, but they were the only two people I had in action. Uh, I can't remember who wrestled what last week, but I can tell you that your wrestlers again, oh no, I've got it in here, Matt Hardy wrestled and lost last week. <laughs> That's the only wrestler you had in competitive action last week. Okay. And the week before that, I had uh, Roman Reigns winning a match, Seth Rollins winning a match. So the current standings are you have 24 points, I have 46, and we've got two Raws, two Smackdowns, and a double point SummerSlam before the end of You've the first season. You've almost got double my score. Yeah, but I had double your score before the last pay-per-view. You <laughs> I, still, I still actually catch up, though. It's like it's like those those weekly shows get you just enough points to outdo me on the pay-per-views every week. I can tell you that Matt Hardy has scored you no points in this season I've of the League. Okay, so... Who's in your team? In my team, I have AJ Styles, Rollins, Asuka, Corbin, and Roman Reigns. Okay. Can I do... Uh, oh, do you want to do any subs? I'm okay with mine, thank you. Okay. Can <laughs> I do Matt Hardy for Finn Balor, please? You can. Okay. So I'll put Balor in my team so I know who I've got. It's just he's on TV a lot. <laughs> I've noticed. Okay. Well, remember, he did lose this week. No, I know, I know. Can I also do Bo Dallas oh. for Harper? Nice. Thank you very much. So you've used two of your three substitutions for the season. Oh, is that how we're doing yeah. it? Okay, all right. I'll go with that. That's fine. Okay. Cool. I wanted AJ as well, but I thought you had him. So yeah. yeah. Of course you did. It was a shame because when you first pitched your Wrestle League team, I thought, ah, rats. That's <laughs> going to wipe the floor with me. 
they had good winning percentages up until that point but since then like they've done alright on pay-per-views I think the problem was when you looked at the stats of who's got the high win percentages <laughs> they've got high win percentages because they never wrestle <laughs> well maybe so yeah yeah true, true who doesn't have the Smackdown Tag Team Champions wrestle on Smackdown ridiculous <laughs> true it's been another good week I've enjoyed yeah, this one good week uh, I thought we needed to do some Chikara at some point so yeah, yeah it, was, it was a fun one um, next week next week is my choice we're doing an absolute classic go ahead oh, you can announce man. it we are going to be looking back at Wrestlemania 8 and what a beauty it is there are some brilliant errors there are <laughs> some booking errors it's also the first show because obviously I always like to have reasons for picking a show it's the first Wrestlemania granted we're only 18 where the world title does not headline the pay-per-view. Mm, interesting. Right, well, we'll get onto that next week. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. As always, social media, where can we find you? Right, so uh, you can find us both online at theworldofwrestlingpodcast.com. All the links are there. So any platform you want to watch is on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, TuneIn, FM, blah, blah, blah. All the other platforms that are available on any platforms. I said platforms about 10 you, times. You, you said tune in. <laughs> what is it? Well, listen. If you can watch us. No, as in the name of the... No, 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 tune, tune in's on there, but you said you can watch us on... Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I would just leave it all in. It'd be fine. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Rich Be Thy Name. You can find you under... At the Tex Williams. Lovely, awesome. Yeah, hits up, followers. Uh, suggest shows for us as well. Like, we've got a lot of stuff in the bank that we want to do, but if there's something out there we've missed, please give us a little message. Suggest a show to us. It'd be awesome. Thanks very much, as always. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.